Ever dreamt of quitting your job and traveling the world? Like most people, we did too, and even tried it out. We're sharing our journey with a podcast and a blog. Welcome to Live Let Rome, a travel podcast. I'm Christy. And this is Eric. Join us on our travel adventures as we look to educate and inspire you to travel more and get the most out of each travel experience. Welcome to episode 20 of Live Let Rome. After almost four months of traveling, we've hit our golden girl city, Sofia, Bulgaria. Four months. Four months kind of seems like a lot and doesn't seem a lot. You know, It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. Out of a suitcase? Sure. Backpack in a suitcase for four months. City to city. Country, country. It's a lot. Travel fatigue is something we want to talk about. A lot of long-time travelers or you ever been on a vacation, you're like, oh, I should be enjoying all this, but I'm exhausted. That's something we wanted to discuss briefly because I think this is something that we felt with such a variety of different cities. They're like, well, how can you adjust? And the point is sometimes it does take us a little time to adjust. Yeah, you get to the point unpacking your suitcase, repacking the suitcase, new kitchen, new apartment. Find the restaurants, the transportation, the list keeps going. And it's every time you move, you have to figure all these things out, which is, it's exciting, but it also becomes a little bit more like work. Yeah. And that's something in the future I want us to do an episode on. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we deal with travel fatigue, because for this experience, we don't have a home to go back to. We're on the road, so every little new spot we've been is our home. And how do you feel comfortable about that? So that's something we'll dive into deep on its own standalone episode. But we're going to go into Sofia, Bulgaria. Let's talk about that. Where are we? Let's start with the country first. Bulgaria sits above the right arm of Greece and just above the European side of Turkey. Sofia, the capital city, is located in the middle of the western side of the country. Population. Sofia sits at 1.2 million, which is equivalent to the U.S. city, Dallas, Texas. You go get on down. (laughs) Time for some quick facts. Bulgaria is the birthplace of the Cyrillic alphabet, which is used in as many as 50 different languages. Surrounded by mountains, Sofia is the third highest European capital city. Those other two capitals were also part of Livlet Rome, Andorra La Vella, and Madrid. Sofia is built on Roman ruins and is one of the reasons why their subway took 30 years to build. Some of these ruins can be seen from the Sertica station and all over the city center. Sofia is also the only place in Europe with four major places of worship in close distance, making this area known as the Square of Religious Tolerance. Those places of worship, Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Muslim, and Jewish. to get around. The major appeal of us visiting Sofia was taking this overnight train from Istanbul, which Eric found. Flights can be easily taken in from Istanbul out, but we wanted a little bit more adventure, and boy did we get one on the overnight train. Eric, how did you find the overnight train? 
So we wanted something that was slow travel and something that was convenient and easy right from the city center. And there's a website that I heard about on another podcast called The Man in Seat 61. And then this website was really cool because you can put in what city you're in and where you want to go. And it essentially breaks down all the different train journeys it takes to get there. And when I put in Istanbul and Sofia, I learned there was a direct night train that went directly from Istanbul to Sofia for $28. I had visions of the Orient Express in reverse, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking from Russia with Love or Sean Connery, and I think he was on the same train line in that movie. Just something different, right? And this is where slow travel allows you those experiences. It is convenient to fly out of Istanbul. Also, I researched that getting to and from Istanbul airport seemed complicated and expensive. And based on other transit experiences in Istanbul, I didn't want to deal with it. So this direct train overnight for $28 seemed like a great option. Plus, think about it, you're not no hotel for that night. That was your hotel, sleeping car. And this is what I said to you. I said, you're responsible for finding the tickets, when to go, and I don't want to handle any of this stuff because if this is the way we're going, then you have to do it. Yes, it was good. It was super easy. You go to the main train station. There's a window, credit card. You get your tickets. You can bring snacks. You can bring drinks on board, whatever you want. But it was actually a very easy and comfortable experience. Yeah, and the tickets weren't that expensive. They're only about $28 to $35, I think, for to get an overnight cabin. And since it was two of us, it was nice that we had this opportunity. And for me, my familiarity with trains comes from Amtrak. So I rode Amtrak. I'm an Amtrak family. My mom was a conductor. So I spent a lot of time traveling in the trains. Not so much in the sleeper cars, but sometimes here and there I get a free ride. But it was very similar. And I was pleasantly surprised when I saw our cabin there. It was actually better than what I would expected. It had a mini fridge. It was stocked with free food, little snacks and drinks. It was very comfortable. It was clean. People were super nice on board. It was a great experience, but it was in true Turkish fashion. There was a unique experience on board. Yeah, so the train cabin itself, for when you think about $28 to $35, you're not expecting very much. But based on what I saw, it was really nice. So I did recommend that. Some other tips that we had saw online was to bring food because there's no cafe or lounge cars. So we had brought some additional snacks, but we were pleasantly surprised that there were some snacks in the fridge that were ready or provided, like some juice, some cookies. I don't know. I can't remember if there was a yogurt or so. We brought no brownie and tents, but there were pretzels. Well, you always bring the brownie and tents that came along. That's something that I really appreciated. And we mentioned getting to the train station was pretty easy. You can take the public transit and it can be reached by taking the Marmory line to the end of Halkali, about one train line, where some of the train lines to get to the airport require a switch, depending where you are staying. And we were staying on the Asia side of the continent. So this ended up being much better and easier for us. What was really cool is this is the middle of summer And you're boarding the train just before sunset. And it was really cool. When we left the station, you're seeing this orange haze over Istanbul, the skies. It was really picturesque and relaxing. 
it was unique just departing from Istanbul. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. My favorite about being on the train is that sound of the wheels going and being able to look out into the landscape and see it go by. And that was definitely one of the highlights, I would say, is just being able to look on the outside window. The other thing, of course, we were aware of based on taking the train was that there's an overnight stop for the passport. So when you cross the border, the expectation is to cross somewhere around between 12.30, 1 p.m. So we kind of have this looming over our head. You get on the train a little bit about 8.30 and I think you take off about 8.45. So you want to say, okay, I'm going to sleep. And you're so excited, then you don't sleep. And by the time you actually get to sleep, it's knock, 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 get, get off the train. Yeah, and this, this was pretty funny. So we get out, and it's really cold at this point, even though it's summer. It was pretty chilly. So you wrap your blankets around you. You actually have to exit the train, and you get in line to a passport control. However, no one's really there at the passport control. I think they're sleeping as well. But what happened is we're in line, and lo and behold... Here comes the stray cats and dogs of Turkey lining up with us, waiting in line. That was my favorite. I called them the station attendants that I think because everybody was still half asleep, we automatically got in the line, even though there was nobody there to really line up for. It was just like human nature. And as we were doing that, we noticed that the cats are like, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to sit here and wait with you guys if you guys are waiting here. And there was a mother dog and a couple stray cats that were cracking me up that they kept sitting and walking and asking for pets and treats from all the people in line. Well, because this isn't every, there's one train nightly. So this is pretty common, but they really, like it was their job to like keep you company and stand in line with you. Eventually, they opened up the window. I think it was about an hour at least, maybe an hour and a half of waiting in line at least. We were there for like two hours. Yeah, so it was, this is a two-hour process all in. And at the time, it was a little unnerving. You're like, ah, oh, geez, I just want to get to Sofia and I just want to go to sleep. But looking back, it was really kind of memorable and funny. Thinking about it now today, it wasn't as inconvenient as it was more funny. We knew that this was coming, and it's one of those things border control can take either a little bit less time and a little bit more time if you've ever rode on these in different areas. And we expected that. And once you go into that aspect, you say, okay, I mean, there was points where like, all right, I'm tired enough. And luckily there was a little room that everybody was in that was heated. And there was restrooms that we can go into as well. And once they came out in the passport line, they were able to get us through rather quickly. It was just the attendants were on the train checking the whole train. And that took them like about an hour and change. Yeah. And so you do that, you get your stamp and there's really, it's just a stamp and really no questions. You board back on the train, and then it takes off. You think you're done. You start to fall asleep again, and no one communicated this. But then about 25 minutes later, dun, 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 another knock on the door woke us up again. And I think this was the Bulgarian people, because we we're now crossing the border, and they're in-taking your passport into Bulgaria. So that was another funny instance. There were several passport checks. And at this point when we were waiting to get back in and we got on the train and everybody was falling asleep, by the time, I think there was like two more knocks at the door. We were cracking up. I had my little sleep mask and they were even giggling at me at this point. I'm just handing them my passport. It could have been anybody at that door. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Stand me and let's go through. Best sleep ever? No. 
But I would say I would do it again. It was a very unique experience, and I like the night train in general. Just the sheets were clean, the bed was comfy, the blanket was clean and warm. So that's a big deal because sometimes these situations can feel a little like seedy, but not here no, at all. I no. actually felt super comfortable, and the bed was actually comfortable when you can go to sleep. But definitely would recommend it, and we have. Lots of stories to tell about. Yeah, I still recommend the favorite option to get from Istanbul to Sofia's by the night train. Yeah. And the city itself, there are several different options. Once we got into downtown Sofia for public transit, it was a great city to just to also explore on foot. And that's something we'll talk about a little bit later because Sofia loves its parks and everywhere you go... There is a park. Yeah, and there's these little mini streetcars from it seemed like the 30s that haven't changed a thing since the 30s. They're exactly like they probably were. They're small, they're old-fashioned, but they get you where you need to go. And I think we loaded one of those to get to Airbnb. I from... can only think of Riceroni <laughs> as a train cars. But yes, there was something that we would like to ride. I mean, it was like a wind-up rubber band train car once you got there. It worked. Where we stayed and for how long? We stayed near the historic center for just over two weeks in July for about $41 a night. We had some cost savings with our Airbnb because it was on a fourth floor walk-up. We chose it because of its location and great reviews, and the host was excellent, great communicator, and had the place stocked and nicely decorated, which we both appreciated. And that's something that we really look into when we look for our stays. If we're spending a long time there, especially two weeks, we want to make sure that we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's. And that was something that we heard a lot in the reviews, that the host was really great, and she communicated rather easily that the place was beautiful, even though it was a little walk-up. So we knew what was coming. Now, when we got to this place, it's tucked in a corner. We found that it was really nice. You got through and there was these large murals going to a courtyard. And this courtyard had these plum trees that were right in season. So I ended up <laughs> nicknaming it Plum Alley because they were like falling on you as you were walking past every day. And we started to love like the little routines. Like getting past Plum Alley and not trying to step on all these squish plums. In the morning when we would stay there, since we were on the rooftop, the rooftop had a tin roof and was great for the rain. It put me to sleep. But there was a certain time, I want to say about 8.30, that's when the pigeons did their tap dance routine <laughs> on the roof. They were done flying around or something and they literally tap danced like it was a showstopper and that meant we had to get up. This had, yeah, this place had a great view too. It had these little windows you can open up. We got the pigeons in the morning. There was kids playing outside. The sun would come in. It had its quirky elements to the apartment. I really enjoyed it. And for those of you who have heard our other podcasts, $41 a night seems a little expensive actually because mm -hmm. we were doing about 31 to 37 mm -hmm. in Turkey. Why 41 in Sofia? And it is mid-height of the summer season. In fact, I remember we were looking at Croatia and Portugal. We were looking at other places we might go. 
And they were like in the mid-60s to 70s a night. So 41 was still a pretty good bargain. And that was something that we're trying to plan and say, what's the most bang for our buck that we can get in terms of getting there easily, but also when we're staying two weeks, that we're staying within our budget because that's the whole goal of this. Yeah, and so the, the lesson here, the tip is, plan your summer seasons in advance and really have a backup plan to make sure you know what to expect to pay in June, July, and August. You'll hear a little bit more in our standout moments. This area in this neighborhood is one of my major standout moments, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Yes. He's just got It's time to talk about our standout moments for Sophia. First up, I want to talk about is the free walking tour. Now, this is a tip we gave ourselves when we visited Albania, and this is something that we thought about hey, this is what we got to do first so we can get an overlay of this city. And it ended up being a really great standout moment. Loved how you got to see so many different layers and civilizations right next to each other. You had Byzantine era next to the Ottoman era, next to the communists, next to the pre-war and in the modern area. Yeah, and some cities do the free walking tours. This one doubled down. In fact, they did not only did the free walking tour, they had a free pub crawl that I participated in. And there was a graffiti tour we didn't do. They really had their walking tours down to a science, which was really fun. Our guide, Nicola, was very knowledgeable. And we have a little snippet from Nicola that we can share with you here. This is Eric. We're here with Nicola here in Sofia, Bulgaria. And Nicola just took us on a free walking tour of Sofia. We had a great time, really learned a lot. And Nicola, maybe you could just introduce yourself, your tour, and maybe any interesting facts on the Sure. Area. Well, hi everyone. It's Nicola from the Free Sofia Tour by the 365 Association. Well, we're actually doing walking tours for um, almost 12 years now, actually, in uh, in Sofia and in Plovdiv as well. That's the second biggest city in Bulgaria. So we're doing the free walking tour. We have our communist tour, the Sofia Jewish tour, the pub crawl, lots of different things that we do. And it's really about the main landmarks in the, in the center of the city. That's what the, the main general free walking tour focuses on. That's great. And Nicola, uh, you left us with some famous one thing to remember. Yeah, that's created. how I usually finish my tours. And because I feel like very few people know about that, Bulgaria is the home to the Cyrillic alphabet. I feel like most people associate that with the Russian language because Russia, of course, is the biggest country that uses the Cyrillic script. But Bulgarians are generally very proud to be the birth country of the Cyrillic alphabet back in the 9th century. And you do this tour every single day, 365 days, never stop, even Christmas, correct? Even on Christmas Day, even on New Year's <laughs> Day, every single day, no matter the weather conditions, tsunamis, earthquakes, it doesn't matter, we're always here. <laughs> For example, for us, I feel like after the general walking tour, I feel like the communist tour is the most popular one because that's a part of our history that is rarely talked about. So that's the one that we really go in depth in because it's such an important uh, topic, I feel, for our entire society. But people find it fascinating as well, especially people coming from countries that have not experienced that ideology and that type of a system. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Well, thank you yeah. so much for your time. Thanks for the tour. We learned a ton and all of our listeners come check out the 360 tours in Sofia. And he has really cool socks on. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, what are your socks from? <laughs> the stinky socks. Stinky socks. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a link to stinky socks on our blog. So. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you guys.
Next up, I would say in our standout moments is something that we kind of already touched upon and it's our overall neighborhood. And when I say our neighborhood, we stayed near the city center and the city of Sofia itself is very warm. I felt welcoming, it had a lot of historic buildings, but I mentioned earlier, you really can't go more than two or three blocks before you're in a little green space. And I think this was something when I looked up the history of Sofia that it was very intentional and it is meant to give a little respite away from the toils of your day is to have these moments. And that's something I think Sophia does really great. Yeah, this is one of the first places where we intentionally slowed down completely. Sophia doesn't have those, you must see these 10 amazing places in 10 days, like Rome or like Paris. It has some churches and a few places. Its beauty is in its charm and that it is a great place to slow down with high quality small spaces like the green spaces, the restaurants, the pubs, the gelato places, and the and the people there. So it was one of the first times, I think, in this travel that we really slowed down and just lived in this neighborhood. And it was great. And that was something we talked about at the beginning of the episode about travel fatigue. So this was a place that we really didn't want to be so exhausted or throwing ourselves at the next site to see. We wanted to be able to soak in what was really around us and taking that moment to say, okay, in our first few days, we're going to do the walking tour so we can get the highlights. We know what we need to see, but also we're going to give us our time to just chill. And in these chill moments, I, one of my favorite moments is I mentioned Plum Alley in the trees. It was <laughs> raining a couple days, so it also doubly forced us down that we couldn't walk around. And in this moment, the rain, all these snails came out in this plum courtyard. And I think I spent probably about 20 minutes recording and taking pictures of these snails. And not only that, we actually had to find a broom to sweep the plums and the snails away because we didn't want people to step on them or step on the plums or slip and fall. But this was like, when we say plum alley, I'm talking like hundreds, hundreds of plums and maybe dozens of snails on the ground. We These did try large the snails. Yeah, we ate, we ate some of the plums off the tree. I was like, okay, let's eat we it were... <laughs> and see if we die or not. But hey, it's great. It was and... a snail's diet. So our skin became really elastic and shiny. And the, these snails, too, by the way, were huge. Like, we're talking in length, maybe four inches, like escargot size. Like Okay, that is a little dramatic. Uh, no, You're I'm saying from it. little antennae down to the tail, if you stretched them out, they were about four inches, maybe three to four inches. Yeah, This big. is not medieval torture. <laughs> <laughs> they were about an inch, and maybe the largest one was just about two inches I don't know which total. snails you are looking at. I was with uh, the Sasquatch of snails. I think you came back from the pub tour, and then you were looking at different snails. Another thing that we did around the neighborhood is feeding a patch of neighborhood stray cats. So there were so many cats in Turkey, I had to find what cats we can find here. And I think this time I got a little smarter and got a little bit of food and treats on along our way. And we ended up walking neighborhoods and they were a little bit more shyer, but we did find this rough tag little cats by this convenience store. They were very a little sad to see because mm -hmm. some of them had some definite injuries. They could seek some medical care. But we gave them a little food, gave them a little pets and love, and we visited them a couple times on our journey. Yeah, a lot more shy than compared to the Turkish cats that we're used to. Other things about the neighborhood that we really like, they have something that is known as click or kneel shops. 
So basically, they have these shops that are at street sidewalk level, but they're almost recessed down. So you have to kind of kneel to order from these places. And these can be convenience stores, liquor stores. We actually visited to get a milkshake. There was bubble tea slash milkshake area. And they were all over the city as well. Yeah, at the end, uh, coffee. I found a coffee clerk too. So you get a cappuccino or an espresso for 80 cents. And it was really good quality. The currency there is two for one. So one euro is two of their currency. The Bulgarian, I don't know, what is the leave or love? Love, I think. Love. And so great deals and the prices were very reasonable. In the grocery stores, there was one Billa, which is their Mm -hmm. store, which is famous in Austria and and Czech Republic. They were great as well. Had fresh baked bread in the morning, had good sausages and meats and snacks. And so we ate out, but we also cooked in our apartment. Yes, since the apartment was well-stocked, we had the opportunity to make some home-cooked meals and meals that we're familiar with, which also helped with that travel fatigue for us. For me, a good old plain buttered noodle and like chicken, or became my new comfort food, white rice and poached chicken from Turkey is my new comfort food. That was the dish. I think we made that. And I really like, they had these rolls that I only saw in Sofia, but they had the caraway seeds and salt. It reminded me of uh, in Buffalo, you can get it called beef on weck. Oh, yeah. So it's like a weck roll, if you know what that means. They were really good. And so you'd get those. And and then there were some really good restaurants in our neighborhood. Remember the Roman style pizza with the hummus? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was these local pubs and bars with really good. It's hard to describe the food as a little bit German, a little bit Polish, mixed with a little Turkish influence. It's a little hard to describe, but I really like the Bulgarian it's food. It's a melding of all. You felt the Mediterranean influence, you felt the Eastern European influence, and you also felt part of that Turkish and Arabic influence. So it had a nice combination. And we mentioned we went for gelato. They had a wonderful amarena ice cream that was absolutely delicious. We had some great pizza romana, and there was a trio of hummuses and dips that we had with it so it was like talking about two different worlds we had we had a nice grace mediterranean and also italian meal what's unique about europe and i don't know if people realize this as much but you'll have people from italy that move to these places like sofia for lower cost of living but they bring all the great elements of their culture into these neighborhoods and so you'll see like a romanian restaurant or in this case there was a dutch bakery shop They really specialize in just Dutch pastries. And you're like, wow. And it's really authentic. So just because you're in Bulgaria doesn't mean that you can't find great Greek food or great Italian food or great Dutch or Polish food. You can find it. It might not be as prevalent, but it's available usually. And that's what makes Europe and traveling around Europe so great. A couple other things that we did to beat the heat. We're looking for a pool and it's July. It's hot. And luckily, our apartment did have some air conditioning, which sometimes is not as common. So that was another factor that we said, okay, I'll walk up the four steps as long as I have an AC. That is good. But we found this place. It's called Happy Beach. And the best way I can compare it to is like a TGI Fridays, where it has its pre-course menu meals. So basically, think of a TJR Fridays that had a pool. An Olympic-sized pool. like Olympic-sized pool that you can be served at. And I was like, why don't we have this? And full bar, alcohol, people drinking, parties. Like, it was really nice. They had happy where it's just the restaurant. But this happy complex we found was 
awesome. The full pool, I think it was like $4 to get in. And then the meals are like 6 I mean, we're talking very affordable, pretty good quality. You can but get... you can go to the pool and not buy a meal. Yes. You yeah. can just have like drinks. You pay for the pool. So it wasn't mandatory that you have to have a meal at Happy to go to this pool. But we just got... Like some light drinks with it. Now, I just got to mention one quick thing. You talked about our apartment on the fourth floor, and you think of July, right? And it was very hot out when we were there in Sofia. So the pool was a great option, but was really interesting. And I call it almost weird or unique. These are old communist apartment buildings that were converted to regular apartment buildings, Mm -hmm. now Airbnbs. To believe it or not, I don't even know if we turned on the air conditioning. These walls are so thick that it actually cools the place down or it, it really insulates the place where the temperature really never got uncomfortable in, but there was in, these the, in the place, which natural was natural vents where they had built in so any wind that would come would come through. And they're pretty well built well, well with designed. shades and everything to protect from the heat. And at this point, I want to say for U.S., it was probably about in the mid to high 80s 90s, around the end. 90s some days. And then uh, Celsius, I would say you're probably in your 30s at this point. So it was definitely warm, but we really had a couple different options to beat the heat. Another thing that we sought to do just outside of the city is we thought it was time for spa. So travel fatigue, we want to relax, we want to just soak in the life. We end up finding... The city itself has some thermal springs, but no bathhouses or anything set up currently. But we did find an area just outside of the city, probably about 25 minutes outside, and it had a spa. The spa had an indoor-outdoor pool. It had a couple saunas, a jacuzzi, and all included in this price, they provided you with a bathrobe, a towel, a drink and fresh fruit. And the drink is, yes, you get a water, but I think you get an alcoholic drink too. Yeah, I took yours because you weren't drinking. Yeah, it was like a glass of wine. Two glasses of wine. So Eric got to enjoy the two glasses of wine (laughs) and I got to enjoy all this watermelon, which he doesn't like watermelon. I don't like watermelon, so she had double watermelon and double wine. Oh my God, I loved all the watermelon. How much was this spa? Do you remember? I think the spa was about $34 and it was pretty much an all-inclusive and it sounded really bougie, but for $34, you get to... It's like a time spa, so you can be there two hours or so. But since we went in the middle of the week, they really weren't holding you to it. Like you can spend two to four hours easily there. So for $34 each person, we got like this super luxe experience. We got to spend a lot of time. And we stayed. It was right on what was cool. It was right on a river. And so not only did you have the spa, you're overlooking a river. So it felt really natural, very green, very lush. There was only like one other couple there. And this place was immaculate, by the way. It was inside all wood and nice and Mm -hmm. had the electronic bracelets. And I mean, you really, this was like, you know, New York City, this would be at least $200 probably to go in. But this was like, you know, a little over 30 bucks. And it was a great day experience and very relaxing. Yeah, it was overlooking Lake Pancharevo. From chips? I want to say it Spanish-wise, but I know I'm butchering this. Anyway, there is a cheaper option where there is a swimming pool that you don't have to pay as much. But for us, we wanted to have a little bit more luxury for us. And that's why we decided on this option. Anything else, Eric, that you want to mention? 
There was a couple other places that I really enjoyed. There was a place called Superstar that was just soups, which I've experienced before in Poland. And it was like a communist throwback type place that only served just soup and bread. That was really cool. But it was like soup and bread if it was like beatniks and hipster at cafe. Yeah. So it was it was good. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the 24-7 folk music, Bulgarian folk music channel oh that I play all the time. We're going to play some clips. And I got some videos. If you're really interested, liveletrome at gmail.com. Email Send us a note. Him. He'll email you all uh, the videos of every folk <laughs> station he turns We're talking on. guitars. We're talking uh, accordions and the dress and the garb and hilarious footage and music. I really enjoyed it, but it was 24-7. You just put the folk channel on. That was a definite enjoyable thing. And there was tons to do around the whole city. This was just some of the neighborhood things, but there was lots of different churches on the walking tour that we did travel to and little different sites and museums, but it's just such a beautiful city. You could easily spend a month there and still yeah. not be bored. Absolutely. Love, Sophia. Eric, I have a question for you. What's the most interesting thing you've learned while in or about Sofia? It was the Cyrillic language being a Bulgarian invention. When you see the language written, you always associate it with Russia. So that was cool. Yeah, that was part of our facts. That is the basis for over 50 different languages now. My interesting fact that I wanted to mention was how many different layers of the city in its history. The square of religious tolerance was one of those aha moments. And that also combined with Bulgaria's efforts during World War II to save its Jewish population. When I was researching facts, you found out that they were with Germany, they were against the Allies. A little aha moment that we learned was how they were able to save, I want to say it was about 48,000 Bulgarian Jewish folks by delaying their transport after Hitler had requested them to send them to concentration camps. The president at the time had kept saying, oh, we need them for work on this. We need them for work on this. And through his delays and constant saying they needed continued work, they never actually sent their Jewish population. Now, Jewish people that had fled from other allies and from countries, that's a different story. But I just learned that they did have a part in saving their population. An interesting fact. And I believe they also preserved a lot of their architecture by not being bombed. They really walked the fine line in the war. They declared war in the U.S., but they never attacked or never really participated in a lot of the battles. So They, they were all talk and no action. Yeah, and constant delays and deferments. So it seems like they have preserved their city and their people and their heritage. Would you plan to return? And if yes, what else would you like to do and or see? Yes, I would absolutely like to return to Sofia. I could see easily spending a month or more there. Just enjoyed being there, enjoyed spending time exploring. I would like to do more exploration outside of Sofia. We This is the one trip where we didn't do and we went to the spa. 
we didn't do any explorations outside of Sofia. So maybe renting a car or doing some more out edge journeys and nature walks and things would have been great. For me, absolutely. I would definitely come back here. I can see this as easy being a jumping off point where you can spend the month here. I really like the combination of the feel. It was kind of like all the places we had just visited. So we had a little bit of Turkey. We had a little bit of different Eastern Europe. We had a little bit of Western Europe. So it was a nice combination. And there was so much more to explore and learn about it that I feel like I can definitely dig into it. A couple things I was interested in was also the mountains in the national parks on the eastern side. So it was a nice place to be. And so if you're looking for a pretty inexpensive place, high quality, where you can feel free and have some fun, Sofia is a good place to go. Wrapping it up, what have we learned today? With long-term travel comes some fatigue. Take time to appreciate the small stuff and focus on what brings you joy. Visit Sofia for a blend of variety of cultures, both Eastern European, Muslim, and Western. A free walking tour is one of the easiest ways to orientate yourself to a new and unfamiliar city. Treat yourself to a spa day and visit the Infinity Spa. Our next city or country is Bruno, Czechia, formerly of the Czech Republic. Remember, our goal is to educate and inspire you to take your next adventure near or far. So what are you waiting for? Thank you for tuning in to Live Let Rome. Visit our website for more to see and read at liveletrome.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Simply search Live Let Rome. Our podcast is free wherever you listen. Be sure to subscribe. To support Live Let Rome, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Feel free to drop us an email at liveletrome at gmail.com and include your show questions, recommendations, or to share your travel adventures. So until next time, get out and roam. <laughs>